0: Welcome to the Madison Story Slam Podcast. I am your host, Adam Rosted. Today we have an episode that is just a Story Slam. Our theme was Scars. We were live at Johnson Public House. We had the most uh, people show up we've ever had at a Story Slam. There were over 80 people packed into there. And uh, we had 18 storytellers in total. I had to cut a few out to fit into the podcast. So if you didn't make it into this episode, be sure to come to our Story Slam next month or actually, it'll be January 30th, I believe, the last Friday in January. Our theme is Puberty, Come Back and Tell Another Story, or just come and hang out and listen to stories. It's always a good time. Anyway, there's a variety of stories on this one. Let's get right to them, and uh, here's our first story.
1: Hi. Um, so the, uh, story, the uh, theme was scars, and originally I was going to tell you about all my scars on my body, but that doesn't seem, I'm not going to do that. And then I realized, thought, started thinking about, well, you know, everything that all of our memories are scars. As long as I remember them, they're scars. Some are good, and some are bad. By the way, the last story was, I think, the best story I've ever heard here. Um, so, uh, because uh, Adam's dad is here, I've decided to uh, tell a story. Uh, Adam's dad is a, a minister or or pastor. Yep, pastor. Okay, pastor. Um, so I have an uncle, well, uh, or had an uncle, uh, who was a uh, minister in the uh, First Reformed Church, which is a Calvinistic uh, brand of uh, church. Uh, and so, people that know a little bit about religion kind of get an idea that um, is kind of a strict situation. Um, and he married my aunt Suzanne, who was my mother's older uh, sister. So, uh, his one of his sons, who was a, uh, uh, is a window dresser, uh, but used to at that particular time, he was doing uh, sets for. Uh, 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 a uh, amusement park in the Orlando area called the Holy Land, uh, which I found unbelievable. First of all, that there'd be an amusement park called the Holy Land. <laughs> so Philip got this job as the d- designer of this uh, complex because his wife worked as a nanny for a particular man in uh, Michigan. And this particular guy had a huge Bible uh, collection. And uh, and I don't know if it's true or not, but I was told it was the second largest collection of Bibles in the world. I think what the reason he started the Holy Land was simply so he could display his Bibles. Uh, He was incredibly rich, which allowed him to do this. So Philip invited... Me down there, my mom and dad lived down there, so my mom, my dad, myself, and my Uncle John, and my Aunt Suzanne, and Peter, or uh, Philip gave us a uh, a tour of the Holy Land. (laughs) And uh, what they had, they didn't actually have rides, but they had exhibits. So, for instance, one of the exhibits was this huge collection of Bibles, which I found fascinating, because the illuminations in them you know, from the era that they were done, with, it was just gorgeous. They really were something special. There also was a, a very large uh, panorama, or I guess that's what they call it, a landscape uh, panorama of uh, the city of Jerusalem at the time of Christ, which is also fascinating because I like little scale models and stuff like that. So I found that really, really good. Well, what they also had was they had, uh, you know, a, a made up cave with a big rock that they could roll in front of this opening. And they also had centurions walking around on the grounds with swords and helmets. And, and they also had dancers who would dance to songs that they had made up about religious conviction. They also had a play that had to do with, again, similar topics. And... Uh, So my Uncle John and my Aunt Suzanne, my mom and dad and I, we walked through this place and we saw all these various exhibits and so on and so forth. And uh, at one point I walked into the uh, uh, concession area or, or, uh, you know, gift shop uh, because amusement parks need gift shops. And I walked in and some nice lady walked up to me and she said, well, what do you do for a living? Well, no, first of all, she asked where I was from. But then, what do you do for a living? And I said, well, I'm a carpenter. She said, my Lord and Savior was a carpenter. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, uh, I I found my way out the door before it went any further than that. And... uh, Uh, So, my Uncle John and I were sitting next to each other, and my Aunt Suzanne and my mom and dad were someplace else, and we were watching these people on stage singing and dancing and so on and so forth. And my Uncle John turned to me and he said, You know what? He said, Tom, after this, I won't have to go back to church for a month. That's the end of the story.
0: Thank you, Tom. Uh, uh, as a person who grew up in church my whole life, I can honestly say I have no interest to in going to a biblical theme park. <laughs> it sounds horrible. Uh, so next up, we have Brian Standing. Who's Brian? Is it? Am I saying your last name right, Standing? Yep. Give it up for Brian.
2: So uh, unlike the last couple of folks up here, I'm actually going to talk about physical scars that actually occurred on my body uh, during my lifetime. Um, the two stories I'm going to tell you are happened when I was about the age that my son is now. Uh, my son is over there. Yes, doing the jazz hands. That's Shay. So you'll hear from him in a little second. Um, hopefully, he won't be relaying any psychic scars because I don't think he's had any because he's been. He, we've tried to raise him well. So, um, but the, so the two, strokes, the two scars I do want to talk to you about is on the, my bottom lip right here. You can't see it, but for a long time there are two little indentations that are exactly the same shape as my two upper teeth. Um, and how it came about was I grew up, uh, you know, when I was growing up in Troy, New York, uh, with, uh, I grew up with an overgrown Labrador retriever. Um, kind of like that one there. (laughs) Only he was all black. His name was Shadow. He was about 130 pounds, something like that. It was a little hard to tell exactly how much he weighed because his weight and the vet's weight went over the scale. So we were guessing 120, 130, somewhere in there. Uh, and I was a skinny kid. I was pretty small kind of like my son. Um, didn't weigh much, but uh, we were taking him to obedience class and uh, taking shadow to obedience class. We'd been, he'd failed out of three or four other ones prior to that. Um, not because he was a bad dog. He was a really good dog. He was just dumber than a box of rocks uh, and just a little over-exuberant. So, you know, we went through we went through uh, obedience class this one particular day. Everything was going pretty well for Shadow um, until the very end of the class. And then after we got done with the class, we're all standing around uh, and outside. And this is upstate New York, and there's all kinds of wildlife around. Well, Shadow decides all of a sudden, oh, my God, there's a the squirrel. I better go get it. I have his Leash in my hand like this, he decides to go through my legs this way, pulls me ass over tea kettle, and I land face first, bang, with my teeth through my lip. So that's okay. So that's scar number one. That was fun. Scar number two is right here on my wrist. And there's a, uh, there's a little dimple there right on my wrist. And no, 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 it's not a suicide scar. Uh, this, this came about, it did come out about when I was a troubled teen, uh, around about 16 or so, 14, 15, somewhere in there, uh, freshman year in high school. And I went to a so-called ecumenical school. It was actually a Catholic school run by nuns, but they didn't want to admit that. Uh, so there's lots of people worried about our immortal souls, I didn't care for that And uh, You know My dad had died Like two years prior to that So I was in a really Kind of weird place And uh, Again Being a little small Being a little nerdy You know uh, I got picked on a bit And uh, So You know this one day, I remember it was uh, it was one of those like cold wintry days. Upstate New York has lots of granular snow all around all the time. This what they call uh, hard packed granular skiing conditions. And uh, so one of the one of the jocks on the on our school, we did have jocks, even though we were a small. Catholic school. there were a few of them around. Uh, one of them decided he was going to be funny, and he was going to kick open the window because we had these like transom windows that opened like this, right and he was going to chuck an ice ball at my head while I walked down the, the hallway and he did, and he hit me, and I was I was pissed off and I went to the window and I slammed it and slammed it right through the window and put a giant shard glass about that long. <laughs> Yeah, that's what the school nurse said. So you know, it went into my th- it went into my hand right there, stuck out about that long. There was a you know, it was a fair amount of blood, but fortunately, because the glass was in there, the blood wasn't actually coming out, and I missed like the you know the veins. But I'm like, I looked at it and I went, "Oh, wow, that was pretty stupid. I better go to the nurse." And so I went to the nurse with the shard of glass still in there, and the nurse took one look at it. And basically passed out cold. (laughs) She was totally useless. (laughs) Provided no assistance whatsoever. So I took the phone and I, you know, I called an ambulance and said, "Why don't you know? Why don't you come pick me up?" And uh, they did. And it was no big deal. I mean, as I said, I missed any, you know, didn't sever anything major. But uh, uh, and so ever since then, I've had a very low opinion of public school or, or, or private school Catholic nurses. And that's my story of my scars. That was disgusting.
0: Uh, I'll never forget. uh, So I'm the youngest of three kids. My brother is five years older than I am. And I'll never forget one day, my sister and I were deliberately in- antagonizing him. And uh, my brother would get physical with us, And as most older brothers do. And uh, we locked him out of the house. My parents went home. We locked him out of the house. He's banging on all the doors. And at the time, our side door was this really shitty wood side door. Do you remember that flimsy thing, Dan? That flimsy side door? Oh. That doesn't remember, so uh, it was this flimsy piece of wood, but then there was like a glass you know glass window uh, at the top of it, and so i 'll never forget my brother suddenly putting his whole hand through that window, and i'm like he he probably was thirteen or fourteen, so I was eight or nine, and i 'm terrified because he has cut his hand and is angry as all hell and is out to kill us and I'm convinced he's going to die so I, I ran out the other door and went and got the neighbors and anyway that reminded me of that so our next storyteller is the son of our last storyteller Shay how old are you? 14 so at 14 years old our next storyteller is the youngest storyteller we've ever had which I think is pretty cool uh so, what's that? He's
3: good,
0: He's good at being young, he says. Uh, all right. All right. Uh, everybody give a round of applause for Shay standing. Do you want to hold it or do you want to stand? Uh, I don't care. Hold it.
4: Cool. Okay. Um, yeah, that's good. Uh, my dad... Was the last storyteller? Uh, he's told me the story with the glass before, which is why I asked Eddie, "What if they're gonna stab me? Leave the knife in." Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't have a lot of scars um, for my age. I haven't had been in a lot of injuries, but um, I, I can't. I can only think of one scar, and I was too young to remember it. But um, the one. One of my uh, favorite stories that involved an injury Um, it didn't leave a scar that I know of Um, well it was I was very young so everything literally is blurry in my mind Um, (laughs) but it was a summer day and I was outside in a cute little plastic wagon and I was eating an apple and I looked down and I noticed a smudge on the apple and I thought a smudge no big deal you know so I bited, I bit to the apple, and I felt this shooting pain through my mouth. I started crying, you know, running around. You know, because I was a little kid, I, was, I didn't know what was happening, right? I thought that, you know, it was like some kind of poison smudge. I was going to die. <laughs> um, but, my, but it turned out that that smudge... Happened to be a bumblebee <laughs> Um So I guess uh <laughs> I, I um It's one of the It's not that it was that painful It was just like Freaked me out It's It's like one of those stories That really impresses people When it's not that impressive <laughs> Um I could go on, but um, actually, no, I couldn't.
0: (laughs) Thank you, Shay. Give it up for Shay, everybody. Uh, so our first uh, our first theme of the year back in August, I believe, was fear. Or maybe that was October. It was f- October, yeah. So it wasn't our first. Uh, but for October, we did fear. My biggest fear is bees. And, like, to this day, I turn into a six-year-old girl if a bee is around. <laughs> <laughs> be- bees are terrifying. And I cannot imagine biting into a food and immediately being stung. It stung you? Yes, it stung me yeah, 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 that's horrible. <laughs> all right, uh, so our next storyteller is either Andrea or Andrea or Andrea. It's one of those names that you just don't know. So she's in pajamas, which is nice. So, which is it? Andrea. Do you do a lot of people call you all those other names? Do you correct them? Or do you just let it slide? You let it go. Good, because it's really annoying when somebody has a name that could be pronounced several ways. It's like, actually,
5: it's Andrea. It is always interesting when people call me Andrea and then they see me, and I'm like, I don't really think I look very Hispanic, and I know that's a mostly a Hispanic name, but I'm like, it's alright. It's alright. I'm flattered.
0: So I, uh, I used to do music at, at a church, and every time I did... Sorry, we're just going to have a conversation quick, guys. Uh, I used to do music at a church, and every time I did music and then got off stage, a guy would come up and shake my hand. My name's Adam. He'd come up and go, great job, Sean. And I'd never correct him. <laughs> to this day, he thinks my name is Sean. It's awesome. Give it up for...
5: Andrea, there we go. So I dressed up for all of you today. <laughs> um, it's my day off, and I vowed not to wear real clothes today. And um, my roommate told me that she was going to tell this story and make me look like an asshole. So I figured if I told the story, I would make this tragedy look victorious. So. <laughs> um, it's, and it ends with me being really intoxicated so but we were all very intoxicated so we decided this summer to go to it's like the end of the summer we wanted to go to a beer festival because madison there are just only a few of those to start with and but i've never gone to one and so we planned or we're gonna bike there and it's only about a five mile bike ride so we'll bike and we'll eat um and then we're gonna drink for three hours, um, and I am an anti-helmet biker. I know it's tra- tragic, but dear, dear. it'll <laughs> the story will it'll end on a happy note. Um, so we uh, get to the Spear Festival, and um, we're the first ones there because um, that's how you should be, you know, <laughs> first ones there. Uh, and we're drinking, having a good having a good time. Uh, my both my roommates came, and one of my roommates brought a guy who she met on tinder and flew in from new york to meet her which was really interesting so we all make lovely first impressions that day (laughs) So then, you know, the night comes to a close, and we're like, oh, we're just going to bike. We're going to bike home. I think I'm a fantastic biker. Um, that was not the case. Uh, my roommate had to pretty much tell everyone <laughs> to steer clear because I was not biking in a straight line, which I vividly remember biking in a straight line. I stay on the path the whole time. <laughs> um, took a couple spills on the way to meeting up some friends for, for dinner. Um, and then... <laughs> It started to get dark, so you start to see a whole lot less. And I ended up taking a really bad fall and getting some road rash on my shoulder. I hit my head on the curb. Um, I had some gashes on my arm. And... (laughs) My roommate's like helping me up and making sure I'm okay. And one of our other co-writers uh, came, came, write, you know, riding up and you know got off his bike and said, you know, does, does Andrea, you know, need my helmet? And both of us just look up at him and his helmet is on backwards. <laughs> so my roommate just says, no, buddy, you keep that. <laughs> you need that. So I, I think I'm doing okay and everything is fine until we get to the restaurant and. And um, I looked down and there's holes in my leggings, and I'm distraught. Like, okay, there's a little hole (laughs) in my leggings, and I'm so upset because it is the only pair of leggings that I did not have holes in to date, and I'm just bawling my eyes out. I had my roommate go to the bathroom with me, I said, don't tell anybody I'm crying, and I'm openly weeping at the table. So she's ordering food for me, and I'm eating food, and the whole time I'm just so unhappy about my leggings Totally ignoring the fact that I have just road rash and just bleeding and just very hurt so by the near the end of the night I said okay well i'm gonna I'm gonna go home, so I'm not having it anymore, so I'm gonna go home and I promised my roommate like you know I wouldn't I wouldn't bike home. Um, which I lied, so I biked home. <laughs> and after that, her uh, other roommate had met us up at home. That maybe the next day like, saw my injuries, and she goes, see, this is why. This is why you need to wear a helmet when you're biking. And so I promised that if I was ever going to drunk bike ride again, <laughs> that I would, I would always wear a helmet. <laughs> Thank you. Is
0: anybody here in in like a doctor or like a nurse or you are a nurse or a doctor? How often do people like I'm guilty of this. Like when I meet. So I used to drive for Badger bus. So I'd meet a ton of different people. And when I meet a doctor, if I have something going on, I'm like, hey, could you just uh, quick tell me what's going on here? Do you get that like all the time? No. OK. Well, never mind then I imagine it would be really annoying if you did, though, right? All right, she says if she can be helpful, she's one of those good people. Uh, Oh, sure. Sure. I have a tumor on my arm. Uh, Okay. Anyway, uh, that reminded me of a story. uh, Who here's a moped driver? I mean, we live in the great city of mopeds. Yeah, mopeds. All right. Um, I crashed a moped when I was 16 uh, in the parking lot of some prairies bowling alley. And uh, for some reason, I was seeing how fast I could go in the parking lot and then slammed on the brakes right on some gravel and just like skidded across the whole entire parking lot. My my legs were cut up to shit, and like I was just bleeding everywhere. Ian, who's working tonight, was there. He remembers it. Apparently, when I hit the brakes, I did this motion. I should put down my beer so I don't spill. When I hit the brakes, I did this motion. And I wobbled and fell down.
2: Did you put some down your beard at the yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. 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 No, I didn't. But... But I made an unfunny joke. I was 16, so forgive me. I made an unfunny joke when I went into the bowling alley covered in blood. I went into the bathroom and started cleaning up my legs, and Ian was in the bathroom, and he was like, are you okay? And I am saying, I'm fine. But there was another gentleman in the, in the restroom, and as he's walking by me, I go, I'm fine, but the doctor told me ever since I had AIDS, I had to be really careful. <laughs> <laughs> about where I bleed, and I'll never forget the guy, the look on the guy's face as he like ran out of the bathroom. It was great. All right, so our next storyteller I've known since like kindergarten. Uh, he's really funny. Give it up for Dave Babler.
6: Thank you, Adam, for the kind introduction. I would also just like to take a moment and nominate Shay for the story of the night. Because a lot of us can say we've eaten at Applebee's before. None of us can say we've eaten at Applebee. Am I right? Give it to him. Our- Come on. The irony is just overwhelming. All right, in all seriousness, in all seriousness, calm down, I'm going to tell a story. I'm a very boring person, and every time I come up and tell one of these stories, I hear all these amazing stories of people and <laughs> eating bees, and, like, one, one time some guy comes up here and he told this story of, like, urban warfare outside of Las Vegas at an abandoned gas station. Get down! And like, and, like, these amazing stories, and, like, I have never experienced anything like that, and I start thinking about the stories that I've told when I come up here, and, and for those of you who've never heard me tell a story, an example of a few of the stories, the time I went swimming with my brother. <laughs> Whoa! the time I bought something off Craigslist.
3: What? <laughs>
6: that was a crazy one. <laughs> but like for real, like I've been I thought about what stories I'm gonna tell. I'm like every time everyone has these crazy stories, so I'm just gonna be really forthright with you right now and tell you that this is a very boring story that I'm gonna try and milk five to ten minutes out of. <laughs> Before i do that i'd like to paint a bigger picture of how boring i am (laughs) my favorite christmas present over last christmas was a haynes crew neck gray sweatshirt oh let's see i enjoy khakis and sneakers not many people can say that i'm very vanilla you guys um i don't know if that if that's good enough that's all i got so that's how boring i am i've lived in madison my entire life i went to the same exact building for school between kindergarten through 12th grade, I'm just like, and I'm still in Madison. I I, I don't have like these extreme extraordinary experiences enough. I'm boring. So here's my story. It's about a relationship between me and my brother as always. (laughs) Adam knows what I'm talking about. Um, So this is a physical scar as well as an emotional scar. Um, Growing up, there's like this like Tension between me and my younger brother. I'm trying to keep the mic away and stop breathing into it, but there's this tension between me and my younger brother. And I think it was just because he was my younger brother. I feel like a lot of you guys who have siblings can say that. Um, but one Christmas we got this gift. It, um, some of you might know what it is. It's called Super Nintendo. And oh, I love the little Snickers. That's great. <laughs> it was an overwhelming laughter. It's just <laughs> Super Nintendo. <laughs> um, so we got a Super Nintendo, and the day we got that, our relationship got worse, day by day, day by day and again, I feel like because of the laughter, a lot of you guys can relate so my parents, because of like this tension and the Super Nintendo and Mario and just like this aggressive nature between us had to set these regiments of okay, well, if Dave's gonna play for 30 minutes well then Mike is to play for 30 minutes, I'm like that's stupid, I should play for an hour he shouldn't get to play, he's younger than me <laughs> like, like, that's just how it works, right? no, so we got this Super Nintendo and on one of these given days that we started playing, um, it was near dinner time. And again, a lot of these details are fuzzy because I was very young. Um, we start, I, I think, he, yeah, he was playing. He was playing a game, and I remember this. It was Jungle Book. Um, and there's this one, one level, I like this guy not in one level where Blue the Bear, you had to like chase him down. Absolutely fantastic. Probably still good to this day. I wouldn't know. I haven't played in a while, but I think it might be good to this day. Um, and we were taking our thirty-minute breaks. Like I'd play thirty minutes, he'd play thirty minutes, enjoying every thirty minutes. But there's this thing that happened after like that thirty minutes was up. <laughs> we, I'm just, I'm gonna, this is every time thirty minutes was up, I come, I come in and I'd be like, "Hey, Mike, thirty minutes is up. <laughs> it's my turn to play Super Nintendo." <laughs> it's like, no, I went to the bathroom. It took like ten minutes. I get another ten minutes. <laughs> Mike, I've been in here literally the entire time. I know you didn't go to the bathroom. Give me that Super Nintendo controller. And then he does this thing that I'm guilty of, too. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not proud of it. But then he does this thing where he, he just keeps playing. <laughs> he doesn't acknowledge you. He's just like... <laughs> And, and, and I'm here pestering and I'm like Mike 30 minutes I'm gonna go get Ma <laughs> like, wh- like you don't understand She ain't gonna be gentle and, like, and he just sits there and he ignores you And you have no idea Like all of all the things in the world Nothing makes my blood boil Like my younger brother ignoring me When I'm trying to beat the Baloo the Bear Level in Jungle Book on Super Nintendo <sighs> Sorry So here's what happens next. <laughs> he ignores me. And so I say, oh, just to paint a picture. Here's the TV. Here's him. i say, Mike, it's my turn. <laughs> and then the worst part, he smiles. <laughs> like, it doesn't even bother him. Like, he's just like. I don't care. I'm still going to (laughs) play. And it just kills you inside. Like a little part of you dies. And like the worst part of your life in that moment is the fact that he's enjoying the fact that you can't play Super Nintendo. He's not even enjoying the Super Nintendo. (laughs) So then the worst part comes. And this is all on me. And I'm going to tell you right now, this isn't a scar that I got. It's a scar that I I gave. (laughs) So he smiles, and I stand. He keeps playing as if he can see right through me. I'm beginning to believe that he actually could. I don't know how, but he just sat there, smiled, and played. So I do this. Step aside. Foot. Click. Eject. Mike, it's my turn. (laughs) Exactly. Silence. Just dead silence. And I stare into his eyes, and that smile slowly (laughs) turns to a frown (laughs) and we stare at each other and i can see it in his eyes his blood is boiling worse than mine (laughs) and then there's this moment there's a pause and then there's just leap towards each other where we both just like lunge at each other and then there's there's grabbing for like 10 minutes until mom walks in the room what are you two doing and then we stop But not before I get a big chunk of his cheek with my overgrown nails that I refuse to cut because I'm a rebellious child. And there's blood bleeding down his cheek. And it did. It left a scar, a temporary scar. It healed over a doctor. Yes, it healed over. It wasn't permanent. I don't know the science, but it worked. Um... (laughs) And my mom stares at me, and and I'm like, Ma, you don't understand. He he was happy while I was trying to get his way. Like, there's there's this anger inside of me. And as a punishment, she made me sit out, and for a week, I had to wait 15 minutes while everyone else ate dinner. And then 15 minutes, I come back, and I had to clear my plate. And this part is actually more of an emotional scar. I left the scar on his face, which honestly was hard to explain to a lot of friends and family, (laughs) without feeling ashamed, (laughs) But she made me go into the kitchen 15 minutes after everyone else and clear my plate. And I know she did it on purpose, but she had frozen peas every night for a week while I was punished. So I had to clear my plate with these frozen peas on there. And honestly, as frustrating as it was to not be able to play Super Nintendo while he's playing Super Nintendo, it was more frustrating having to eat every single frozen pea. Because (laughs) I'm a picky eater. And you guys have no idea. Because when you sit there by yourself staring at these peas time transforms and all of a sudden these peas have like 800 more wrinkles and all of a sudden they start having like these steam come off that looks like stank and like everything smells worse and everyone hates you more because these peas need to be eaten before you can go play super nintendo so i'm sorry i'm very passionate about this so i had to sit there and eat every one of these peas for a week i know she did it on purpose and then there was one night I think it was like midway through the week Where I gave up And I just flipped the plate And started to cry <laughs>
3: <laughs>
6: and, 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 and it wasn't like this like overwhelming wah, wah. It was just like Tears
3: <laughs> <laughs>
6: This is me This is what I've become This is what Mario did to me This is what Super Nintendo did to me This is what pushing eject on Jungle Book, on Super Nintendo 2, my brother did to me. And that emotional scar stuck with me. I don't know how I remember all these details other than the fact that it scarred me. And that's why I constitute this as an emotional scar, guys. Because it left a mark mental, mentally. Also physically on my brother's face. But that's besides the point. My mental scar is way worse. All right, you guys have been great. Thanks for letting me tell my story.
0: So, I don't ever know how to follow Dave, because I think I've said this before, or something similar, I've never seen a white man suddenly be transformed into like this, it's like a mixture of Dane Cook, Chris Tucker, and then every black church minister I've ever seen in my life, and that is how Dave Babbler tells a story. Our next storyteller is somebody I don't know. His name is James. Where's James? I do know James. James told a great story last time, so I have high
7: hopes. Give it up for James. Hi. um, Yeah, the story I told last time was about poop, and this one is not. (laughs) Um... It was summer, and I was 13 years old. Well, it was just after summer. School had started. I was in eighth grade. Um, I was riding my bike with my friends, and this was a very special bike ride because it was the first bike ride I had ever taken with my friends. Um, Because up to that point in the first 13 years of my life, I just didn't really see the point of a bike um, my parents would drive me where I needed to go, and my 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 Sega Genesis was in my room. W- what what more did I need? Um, so so finally, I, I broke out of my shell. I figured out how to ride my bike. Um, we're riding, and we got to a hill um, just before this park that we're going to. Got to this hill, and we started going down the hill. And I'm a two things you should know about me. Um, I tend to stare. Um, and it's not its not because I'm, I'm evaluating you or what I'm looking at, it's just because I'm staring. Um, and I also tend to panic, especially at this time in my life, I tended to panic very quickly. Um, so, so two things happened when I was going, well those two things happened when I was going down this hill. Um, I started to stare and then I realized I was going real fast and I had forgotten how to break. So then I started to panic um, and we're going down towards this intersection and um, I, I, I'd not get hit by a car, um, so, so that's not that kind of intersection story. Um, <laughs> so I guess in, in my panic, I don't know why, I guess in my panic I went towards a thing that I recognized, and it was a stop sign. Um, and I was going very fast, so I hit the curb, I flew over my handlebars, and I hit my knee on the stop sign and kind of like wrapped around it. Um, and at first, like, like I, I, I wasn't bleeding or anything, so I thought it wasn't a big thing, um, And but it it did really hurt because I just hit my knee on a stop sign. Um, So I stood up and I told my friends I was going to walk my bike home. Um, So I did, and it took a long time, but I did it. And uh, and so it still didn't hurt that bad because I'd still been moving it and stuff, um, and I I could still bend my knee. So I told my mom that I was going to another friend's house, and we were going to play a PlayStation game that never actually got released called Thrill Kill. I was a dominatrix with a with an electric cattle prod, and 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 and, and my friend was a man in a straitjacket and we tried to kill each other. Um, and and I'm 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 telling you this because we played it for an hour, and it speaks to the pain killing effects that video games have on the male mind. I didn't notice that my knee was swelling up to the size of a grapefruit this whole goddamn time. Um, so finally, my mom came to pick me up, and I tried to stand up, and I couldn't bend my knee. Um, and it hurt very, very badly. Um, so, <laughs> so Thrill Kill kind of ruined my knee for the rest of my life. Um, so eventually, uh, we <laughs> got into the car. Um, and I guess I also hadn't been wearing my helmet because it was my first time on my bike, and I wanted it to be Cool. Um, and my dad was really like, even though my even though my head was not a casualty, um, my dad was really kind of. He was pretty upset that I hadn't been wearing a helmet, so I heard about that like all the way to the doctor. Um, and the doctors drained my knee, and it took it took 20 minutes to get all the fluid out of my knee because um, there was so much. Um, it was just really gross and awful. Um, and the and my, my, my dad had been telling me all the way there that the doctor was going to be really upset that I wasn't wearing my helmet, um, but the doctor didn't care about that. So I was I was pleased that I had that I had I had that small victory. Um, so so I guess in, in the aftermath, I had to wear a blue, like this enormous blue foam brace on my leg for I think four weeks um, after that. And I did not... I did, I, in spite of all of the sympathetic um, it's all, all of the sympathetic conversation with with young eighth grade ladies that I had over on, on the subject of my leg I, I did not leverage it in, in, into a date or a relationship of any kind um, and, uh, and, and i haven 't really seriously ridden a bike ever um, mostly because of this accident um, so a great way to start a conversation with me if you really want to impress me is just to say that you 're competent on a bicycle so thank you Thanks, James. Uh,
0: When I was uh, a kid and riding a bicycle, it's something I love to do. Uh, When I heard a car behind me, I would intentionally ram into the curb because I was terrified of getting hit by a car. Next up, we have my dad, David, who's telling the story. Give it up for him.
8: Seems like I can never go anywhere where I'm not outed. And uh, Tom, I want to thank you for outing me tonight as a pastor. Uh, <clears throat> you know, sometimes you just want to go somewhere where nobody knows that you're a clergy, and uh, <clears throat> so shh, 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 this is not that night. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I could tell you about a bunch of different scars that I've experienced in my life. Uh, in fact, a couple a uh, couple story slams ago, I talked about when I stuck my hand in a snowblower blade. Uh, or the time I was competing with a friend of mine where we, I was a produce manager and we were competing for uh, how fast we could go through a case of le- of uh, celery and I sliced my hand wide open from uh, doing that. I have a nice long scar. Or the time when I was working as a butcher and I put a meat hook through my hand. Ooh, Yeah, hanging on the meat rack like with your hand is really not fun. <laughs> So I can tell you all those, wiped out a motorcycle, fell off a snowmobile, bruised my legs, all those kind of things. But what I want to tell you about is growing up in a small town of 1,200 people. And growing up in a small town of 1,200 people, you know absolutely everybody in that town. And worst off, they know you. And so it's so difficult to have any anonymity as you go throughout town. When I was a young kid, I would ride my bicycle, six, seven years old, and I'd be going down the main street, going in and out of the lines, you know on the road, and by the time I got home, my mother would say, hey, you were going in and out of the lines with your bicycle. (laughs) Honest to God. And um, my parents did not like pets. They didn't like animals. and They both grew up on farms, and animals were meant to be outside. And as a little boy, all I ever wanted was an animal. I wanted something that would be my friend and my pet. And so I had a friend by the name of John Moran in grade school, and John raised rabbits. Just rabbits. Little, fluffy, white. Rabbits, kind, gentle—you know the the kind of thing that you could cuddle with and be happy with—and and and so one day on the way home from the grade school, which was about a block and a half from my home, and uh, I stopped by his house and they had a litter of rabbits and and I picked out this beautiful little white bunny, just beautiful white little bunny, and I named him Ruffles. Ruffles was such a sweet, sweet little bunny. I put him out in the yard, and I, I put some of those uh, old wire hedge type things that they, they make. You'd let him eat in there, and I'd play with him, and he was really kind. And And then Ruffles started to grow. Now, I don't know if you know anything about domestic rabbits or if you've ever gone to a county fair or things like that, but some of those rabbits can get darn big. I mean, this rabbit was growing and growing and growing and ultimately became a rabbit of some 30 pounds. I mean, he was gigantic. There's this one movie that is absolutely incredible. It's about killer rabbits. You ever get a chance to watch it? Watch Killer Rabbits. It's an incredible movie. And and so Ruffles grew and grew and grew, so we had to get him a bigger pen well I happen to know a guy by the name of Kurt Rindy, or my dad knew his dad and and they had a monkey cage don't ask me why a guy in a town of 1200 people had a monkey I have no idea but he had a used monkey cage and so we got the monkey cage for Ruffles and Ruffles continued to live and live and live and live and live I'm in high school by this time And that stupid rabbit is still alive. And as he has grown and developed over the years, he has gotten meaner and meaner and meaner. Ruffles became a killer rabbit. (laughs) And one of the very first scars, I would go out to feed him in the morning. And I hated going out to feed him in the morning. I hated it. It was like, really, just die already, would you? Just go away. Big, fluffy, 30-pound rabbit sitting there doing nothing but eating food and pooping these little pellets that I had to clean out all the time. So I'd go out to the monkey cage, and uh, I would. my dad was really kind of conscientious about the rabbit. And you know, Wisconsin, the weather gets really cold, and we built all sorts of plywood uh, barriers for the wind and the snow and the carpet. We'd put over this old carpet over the edges and everything else, and, and we'd just make sure Ruffles was warm and cozy and, and everything else. And, and every time I would reach in to the monkey cage for Ruffles, and I would put his rabbit pellets, which I had to go down to the Dane County Farmer's Co-op to buy the 50-pound bag and carry it back to my house every night or every every time I bought it. And, and I'd dump his food in and I'd dump his water in. Ruffles would go absolutely nuts. He would go, there were two levels to the monkey cage, and he would be down below and then he'd be up above and he'd be in the box and he'd be down the below and he'd be nipping at my hands and he'd be... He became Killer Rabbit. And the very first scar that I ever remember getting is from Ruffles. And, I, and I, have, I have plenty of scars. And over here on my wrist is a scar from Ruffles that still exists. And I reached into that stupid monkey cage, and Ruffles bared his teeth... And in a quick motion, reached his paw and just ripped my wrist apart. And he just scarred it from here to here. The great thing is that Ruffles died. as a freshman in high school and I still had ruffles. I got this dumb rabbit in grade school. And I was a freshman in high school and I came out diligently to feed that stupid rabbit and I brought out his his water dish and broke the ice out of it and as I, as I came out all around this cage, this old monkey cage, there were the paw prints of this huge, must have been huge dog. And, and there was blood all over the ground. And to this day, I believe that Rob Ruffles killed that dog. <laughs>
0: You know, Dad, if you were going to tell me a story about a pet of yours maiming you, I would have assumed it would have been Corky. Corky My dad had a devil chihuahua named Corky that hated everyone. I mean, I wasn't alive when he was alive, but... all right. our next storyteller, again, is somebody that I've known since a very young age. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a round of applause for John McHugh. Thanks, Adam. Hey, <laughs> everyone. Yeah,
9: my name is John. Uh, also, before I start, this is awesome. This is my first time here. Um, props to my brother, Dan. I don't know. There he is, for telling me about this. Um, yeah, but this is really cool. So anyways, I don't have a super long story to tell, um, but to give you a little info, I also grew up in Madison, uh, like... Dave said earlier, I went to a school for K-12, uh, 13 years. And uh, by the time I was done, I was so ready to get out. Um, not that it was necessarily like a poisonous environment or anything like that, but I'm, I'm an adventurous person. I really like to experience new things. So, naturally, I went to Asia after high school. And... Um, I uh, yeah, <laughs> so I um, was with a missions organization there, and uh, in my first uh, like month of training, we were doing chores, and one of the chores is to sweep a courtyard, and, uh, and it was actually really cool because it had this tree that would come down. We called it, and we called the little fruit on it dragon eyes. It's like a lychee, um, and they would drop, and so there's a ton of them that I had to sweep up. Um, but you break them open, and there's this like grape like jelly, and then a seed inside, and you can like crack it open kind of like an egg, it's a really satisfying feeling uh, trust me but uh, anyway, so we're sweeping up the courtyard and one day I am, it's a sunny day, um, Hong Kong a tropical place by the way if you weren't aware, and it was September, so it was pretty hot um, pretty sweaty, lots of bugs lots of cool things, but it was really cool uh, I lived in this tiny village called Tsui Tao Jun and uh, it was on the outskirts of Hong Kong on the mainland and i um, Anyways, I'm sweeping up this courtyard with this broom, and the next thing I know, because I'm wearing shorts, I see this bug on my leg, and I was like, oh, that's cool. There's a bug on my leg, and I take a closer look, and it's a two-inch long wasp, or something like that. To be honest, I don't actually know what it is, because I've never seen anything like it. Um, But it's about two inches long, and its thorax was about the width of a dime. And uh, so... I thought to myself carefully as I was looking down at my leg about what to do because initially I was really intrigued and then this sense of fear started to grip my heart slowly and uh, so I decided you know I'll treat it like a, a, any other bee that I've done and just do a, a gentle yet firm nudge off the leg and uh, yeah it'll work and uh, so that's what I do. I swipe, but I don't really look, because I'm still pretty scared of this thing. And uh, so I was like, all right. And then I run across the courtyard. It's probably about as big as this room. So if I was I was over by this lovely lady in the, with a purple scarf, and I ran across, and right about when I got halfway across to here, I feel the shooting pain go up my leg. And uh, so... Again, naturally, being a logical person, I ripped my shirt off. Um, The the funny thing about this shirt is that my mom, Dan, will know, uh, she buys us all sorts of cool travel gadgets when we go places. And this was, ironically, Um, bug-repellent. T-shirt, supposedly. So... I rip off my shirt, and my friends are across the courtyard, and they know me as a slightly eccentric person, so they're just like, John's just doing his thing. Um, but I, I take it and I swipe it at my, at my leg, and in a blind fury, I was just looking at the ground for something to hit, and I see this black spot. I couldn't really tell what it was because this is like a split second decision. So I just go whoosh, and uh, there was this I was actually impressed because there was a whip like sound, it was really cool. Um, and, and then I look around again because I had no idea if I actually hit a wasp or maybe it was just a stain on the ground. Um, and I can't find anything, but there's also no bee attacking me, which is nice. Um, and then after, after five seconds or so of looking around ready to, ready to strike, I just kind of waft out my shirt, and this dead huge bug that I still have no idea what the name of it is uh, falls to the ground and dies so that was cool. It was one of the cooler stories of of being in Hong Kong. And then uh, my friends started to look at my leg. And part of the reason I'm telling the story is it is the theme of scars. And I didn't really know you could get a scar this way. But apparently uh, you can because it's still on my leg. And uh, I have this tiny little scar, a couple millimeters in width. And I went over to the table and... Uh, it was bleeding this this bug had stung me, and it was bleeding and so my friends put sugar on it um, I that a thing that you do? is that a no okay, well being such a logical story, you know that's what we did um, and anyways, so we put the sugar on it, and then uh, for the next week, the whole muscle um on the outside of my leg had stiffened up, and I was kind of like limping around um. So, anyways, moral of the story is uh, when bugs land on your leg, be careful because you never know what their venom holds. Um, yeah, and it was a wonderful time in Hong Kong. Wouldn't appreciate it.
0: Thanks, John. Bugs are the worst. <laughs> like that, I, so far, what I've learned tonight, the bugs are the worst. We should all probably wear helmets when riding a bicycle. And avoid my dad when he's at a butcher shop. Uh, Next up, I think we have Jordan. Is it you, Jordan? All right, well, you're next. So everyone clap for Jordan now. (laughs) Keep clapping. He's taking a
10: long time to get up here. All right, so like a good Madisonian, this story involves a bike. It's apparently half the theme. Also, like Dave's story, it involves both giving scars and getting them. So this is my eighth birthday. Uh, this is you know summer, uh, nineteen ninety seven. It would have been I'm you know young kid excited. It's my birthday. My parents are withholding the presents and not telling me what they got me. About midday, my dad just hauls this huge box into my room. Big box. And I don't know what it is. You know it's big, just a big flat rectangular box. Calls me in. There's no label, nothing on the box. Cuts it open, and just wood pieces, huge wood pieces fall out all over the place. No idea what's going on. I'm an eight-year-old kid, and I can't figure out what's going on. It looks like something that my dad would have done, but not me. He just goes, hey, here's your new bunk bed. I'm going to put it together for you. (laughs) Eight-year-old me literally jumps for joy and cannot contain the fact that I'm getting a bunk bed. Only because I also shared a room with my younger brother. So we had, like, two little crappy beds next to each other. And I was like, oh, my God, we got beds on top of each other. And just like stepbrothers, there was so much more room for activities. That's, <laughs> like, all oh, we did. I was super excited. There was just, like, double the play space now because our beds were up. They weren't sideways. So my best friend at the time, for the sake of anonymity, I'll keep him by his, his nickname. He, we called him Skippy. So... <laughs> My friend Skippy's over, and he's really excited. He's like, hey, I'm going to make my brother go sleep on a couch. You're sleeping in the bunk beds with me. We're going to use these things for the first time. It's going to be great. And it was, because we were just sitting there all giddy. I, oh, okay. I also got a Chicago Bulls garbage can with a basketball hoop on it, so you could, like, throw your trash and, like, be Michael Jordan the whole time. So those are, like, the two gifts that I got. And, uh... So we're sitting there, we're just, you know, slam dunking, and this was like right around when Space Jam came out, so obviously (laughs) we're either all the Monstars or only like the stretchy arm Michael Jordan. And uh, (laughs) we're like dunking on this little tiny garbage can. We're like this tall, but we're just, just dunking, standing right over the top of it. (laughs) My dad's just laboring away, pissed off at us because we're, like, in his spot. Like, he's trying to put the beds in, and we're just being idiots right in the way. And uh, he finally gets it together. It's finally all erected. And it's actually, it was really nice, like, looking back on it. I saw old pictures recently. It was, like, this nice, like, oak bunk bed set. It was really cool. Uh, So naturally, like any young kid, like, the best bed is the top bunk. You're, like, the king in the castle. You're looking down and everything. So me and my friend Skippy, we had been best friends for so long. We were pretty much, and we were the same age, that it was like we were equals. And in his eyes, the bu- the top bunk was just as like, logical for him to sleep in as it was for me. No, just no. It's literally the day of my birthday and you're trying to kick me out of the top bunk. <laughs> Only bad things come of those decisions. So we're getting in this argument. It started out nice. He's like, "Hey man, I'm gonna take the top bunk." I'm like, "No, no, this is my bed. I want the top bunk. This is my time. You can't have it. This is my bed." And he's like, "Well, I just, you know, I think I'm gonna. I, I just kind of want it. You know, the bunk, the bottom bed's fine. You can have it tonight, and you can have it like all the other nights. Like that's. He was actually kind of being logical. Like, just, I'm breaking. No, you're good. Okay. Um, like looking back on it, his his argument was sound. Just let me have it for one night. You sleep on the bottom. You'll have it literally every other night that the bed exists. Hell no. Hell no to all of that. So I find, I, like, he's up there and started, like, making his nest. And, like, he's cozying in. And I literally climb up the bed and just start kicking him until he gets out. those of you that have known me long enough, Dan and Dave, I can kind of get vindictive, like, once in a while, I go a little too far when I just really want my way. And this is definitely one of those times. So I literally, I'm just kicking him wherever. I'm just taking shots where I can get him. And finally, he's like, fine, 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 I'll take the bottom bunk. So then he tries to pull a little subtle mind game. You know, if you were a good host, you'd let me have the top bunk. (laughs) To preface my comeback, I have never ever in my life been like upper class super rich family but I decided this is what I was going to say you can go back to your crappy poor house and sleep in your regular bed (laughs) my shitty 8 year old brain said that was the logical comeback to your best friend on the planet So like I could see his face start to like well up, like he is about to cry, and like all I, my natural response is just start cozying into bed. Like I'm just, I said my piece. I'm going to sleep. We'll just wake up and hash this thing out in the morning. No, not him. He just disappears. I don't know where he went until like five minutes later. And this is okay. It got like kind of for whatever reason it had been kind of cold during that time. It got down like 40 degrees for some reason in like the end of May. I just see him Coatless Running up the hill Past my house Back to his house We live like Three blocks apart Three four blocks apart But it was over By like I, It's kind of like Over on the north side Of town Like it wasn't really The best neighborhood For like an eight year old kid It was over by Darbo Drive Like eight year old kids okay. Don't run around When the street lights Come on That's like the worst Possible decision He did that and I screamed out the window, get back in the house. You can keep your damn bed. I don't even want it. <laughs> so, and I can only assume he went home and, you know, it's like 10 o'clock at night. He told his parents the story of why he showed up at the doorstep when he's supposed to be having a sleepover. I, the next morning, he left a jacket at my house. So I go and I'm, I'm. I got to go deliver it to him. I got to be the friend. You know, I got to try and mend fences. Be a, you know, the, make up for the horrible thing I just said to him the night before. So I hop on my little huffy bike and not thinking, I instead of like putting the coat on when I was biking back to his house, I just threw it over the handlebar. I was like it'll be fine. It'll be fine. I don't know how to bike. We're fine. Start biking, and the hill. It wasn't super steep. It like it wasn't. It, but it like went like that and it was really long so you had to like bike up that shit for a long time but there was a steep drop on the back end like once you go out over the top it was like a roller coaster it was like that kind of build up you say slow 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 drop I get over the apex and karma or god or just whatever I start going and the coat catches in the spokes of the front tire and jams up the whole front wheel And I just Over the top <laughs> And you know Like the other bike stories That was cool I wasn't biking with a helmet So my first thought Is just protect my head Which actually worked I caught my fall on my elbow But then my knees Just smashed into the, the pavement And then the bike fell Right on top of my legs And just cut up Bleeding Just messy Gross and, like, it was, it was, like, it was bleeding into the socks, like, the whole way. And I just, it ah! just... Just scream. The whole neighborhood is, like, I saw neighbors, like, old people I never saw before come outside <laughs> and, like, just stare, like, what's happening with the Carmel one up on the hill? And... I decided to tough it out. Like all the neighbors, were like, are you okay? I was like, no, I'm fine. And I just started walking. I'm just walking my bike now because in my head, it's just I'm on a mission to get this kid his bike. I'm gonna be the good or his his coat. I'm gonna be the good friend. <laughs> and I know that this kid told his parents a story because my bloody messy eight year old ass showed up to the front door, and your ding dong. Dad's got a beer in his hand, just looks at me. I brought Skippy his coat back. Can you give me a band aid? His response, and this is one of those things I don't know, it's just those weird things that stick with you. <laughs> Looks like you cut yourself. Let's see if we can afford band aids. <laughs>
0: I like how that ended. Ending. Before we get to Dan, Jordan, uh, I too had an experience where I flipped over a bicycle. Uh, I was going down the street with my friend Ben. He was my next-door neighbor, uh, somebody who went to the school we both went to. And uh, I was going like as fast as we could and I was way out in front of him because obviously I had a better bike and uh, all of a sudden I heard I heard, wow I heard him say wait up! so what did I do? I slammed down my front brake and went head over heels this bike and like I was in the middle of an intersection and I remember the bike going like way up in the air and then it slammed down on top of me and I was just immediately in pain but I'll never forget like this white Geo Metro pulled over. Or not Geo Metro. What was the Geo uh Precisa. Precisa. Pre- oh well what the is the Metro the one that's like a the, Yeah tracker. Geo tracker? Yes, it's like a you know SUV sort of. It was a geo tracker, it pulled over, and this like ninety-seven-year-old woman got out <laughs> and went. <laughs> Did I hit you? <laughs> and I'll never forget being like 12 years old and barely able to stand and be like, no, get in your car. Go on without me. <laughs> and that was a bloody mess. It was so great. Anyway, our next storyteller
11: is Dan McHugh. Give it up for Dan! Thank you. So, yeah, I'm Jordan's new best friend, so that's... <laughs> if that tells you much about... Who I am as a person or what I've gone through. (laughs) Specifically, most recently, I've had my beard shaved by him yesterday. It was a glorious beard, and I loved it very much. And he made me shave it, despite protests from my girlfriend, who said that she would like bake him cakes and all sorts of things. And he's just like, no. (laughs) He's like, no. I want to see your face when I cut it off. (laughs) And I was, (laughs) I disagree, but but thank you for your support regardless. (laughs) Anyway, this story um, about one of my scars. To preface, um, my family was a very non-violent household, as my brother can attest to, who also told the story earlier. But there was no Power Rangers at all. And one of the biggest fights I had with my mother was because she wouldn't let me see Godzilla in theaters because it was too violent, and I loved Godzilla. I loved the old Japanese Godzilla, and she had no problem with the old Japanese Godzilla, but the new one, you know, it has that racy Matthew Broderick starring in it, so... <laughs> I didn't get it, but anyway, she wouldn't let me see it in theaters. I finally waited till it came out on uh, DVD. Well, actually, back then it was probably VHS. Yeah, yeah, you got it. But, um, so yeah, I rented Godzilla, and she only let me watch it once. And I'm like, I want to watch this a million times. This is... The most famous, my favorite monster of all time, of my childhood, brought into glorious 1995 CGI. (laughs) I gotta see it! And uh, yeah, she wouldn't let me do it Um, I only watched it once We had a huge fight She only let me have like video game systems After they were popular uh, Because she said those were too violent But somehow after they got less popular Apparently I could have them I don't understand But anyway, so Yeah, we had a super non-violent household But I loved superheroes Loved them Um, And all I wanted was superhero action figures Batman, Incredible Hulk, The Thing Um all those were on my top list. But my mom wouldn't let me have action figures, because what do superheroes do? They fight each other, and fighting people is bad. And somehow, if I don't, like, make two figures fight each other, that'll make me a more peaceful person in my adulthood. And I still defend myself to this day. I still say that action figures are awesome, and that I should be able to play with them. But anyways. So we just had one of our fights about me not being able to have a action figure of The Thing from the Fantastic Four, which I really wanted because he was this awesome rock monster, and that's just awesome. And so we went to Washington, D.C. for my uncle's wedding. And, you know, I I didn't really care about traveling as a kid. I was pretty over it. So, yeah, we went on a plane. We got there. There was uh, The wedding was going to start that night, and I wasn't super feeling it. She gave me, or she gave all of us, I think, like these Fisher-Price... uh, like knights and stuff which also really confused me because those are real similar to action figures if you look at them they've got swords they've got shields but like somehow because of their like misshapenly comically large like limbs and facial features it makes it okay anyway still still on so still kind of mad that I can't get the thing and it's the night of the wedding um, and so we all got all dressed up we got i got my little tuxedo my little like i don't know six seven year old tuxedo and because uh, i was gonna be the ring bearer and uh she was super excited for it i was yeah but um so we were on our way to leave for the wedding and these hotels they had these like giant oak doors i don't know why um But as we were about to leave, they're like, all right, anyone need anything else? And they're like, nope. So they shut the door. And like right before the door shut, I stuck my finger right in the crack. (laughs) And this giant oak door, probably yay thick, I would say a solid like three inches, just slammed shut on my middle finger. And I just screamed. And I still, I remember sticking my finger in there. And I remember that it was intentional. And I've no idea <laughs> I have no idea if it was just like built up rage or if it was just but I, I remember like being like, what would happen if this happened? <laughs> it's like you hear as a kid, you're like that people say like, well don't don't touch the stove, you'll get burned. It's like, yeah, I know, it's a hot stove, okay, I get it. But For some reason, the exact principle does not also apply to doors closing on your fingers, at least for me. So, that got slammed. My finger got extremely destroyed. I don't know what happened to it. My mom still tells me, like, eh, it might have been broken. It's like... (laughs) Did I not see a doctor? Like, how... (laughs) But she had a splint. That was the weird part. I went to the wedding with, like, a finger splint. And I don't remember stopping at Walgreens or anything. I think she just had a splint on her. And like my brother said, she, likes she packs us with all these amazing, like, travel supplies. And she's a nurse, a public health nurse. So she's got, like, all sorts of... But a finger splint seems a bit excessive. Like, how big of a pack do you have to have where a finger splint is, like, one of the essential items? So I put on the splint. And, um... I went, and I was a great ring bearer. I held, I didn't even cry the entire way down. And luckily, my brother was with me, too, so he got to hold the actual thing while my, like, mangled hand was kind of, like, (laughs) off to the side. And, like, she still tells this story every day. She's like, oh, Dan, Dan was so brave. He smashed his finger, and it didn't stop him. He was so brave, he went through it, he didn't cry at all. And, (laughs) and to this day, I still, I I, I was not brave. I I was extremely greedy because she promised me that if I didn't make a scene and I went through it, that I could have my thing action figure of the giant rock monster. And and before that, I was like, just fuck this. I'm out. I don't want to be a ring bearer. Ring bearers suck. Weddings suck. Everything sucks. I want to stay at the hotel room. And she's like, alright, well, you can have the thing action figure. I'm like, done. Doing it. let's get this party started (laughs) so I went through it, I got my thing action figure and I finally got to make two plastic men fight and I've been a serial killer ever since thank you
0: Dan Uh, we for sure can get through all these stories if I don't gab too much between stories Uh, our next storyteller is you're clapping at me not gabbing I see that. Next storyteller is Phil. Where's Phil
3: at?
12: <laughs> Phil, give it up. All right, thanks, man. All right. Uh, so this story uh, doesn't necessarily end in a scar, uh, but damage was done. So you know we'll we'll get to that. So first. Uh, let me just start by setting the scene a bit. So um, I think this was a year ago, and I wanted to save some money, so I, I was staying in a, a, a shitty apartment. It was very, very cheap, but more more than a shitty apartment. It was more like a shitty room that some guy was renting out of his shitty house. Um, so, you know, not, not too many people lived there. Um... The kind of people who would, who would come in tended to be from uh, other countries who were looking to stay somewhere for a month, so I never really got to know that many people, um, like specifically in the house. Um, kept to myself, did my own thing, whatever. So one night, in this sketchy apartment, um, you know, I'm in my room, I'm in my boxers, just doing my thing, got my headphones on, jamming to some music. You know, not not ready for an adventure. Uh, but, but an adventure did happen. So there I am, jamming, doing my thing. And I hear a scream. Like, not like, ah! Uh, Scream like an oh my god! I am being murdered right now! Scream, and that scream didn't stop. It kept going. And you think to yourself when you hear, when you would put yourself into a situation where you hear a blood curdling scream that does not stop, you think, oh, I I know what to do. I'll I'll call the cops, and you know, I'll you know get the SWAT team here, and we'll take care of everything. But no, I was raised in the Midwest. I was like, I don't want to be a bother. So. (laughs)
3: <laughs>
12: so so I'm, I'm in my room, in my boxers Got my jams on And I'm pacing back and forth And this scream isn't stopping And I'm like, holy shit, I need to save someone There's, like, shit's going down So I hear The screaming is still going, by the way It's going for longer than the amount of time it's t- t- Taken me to tell this much of the story So I hear screaming And then I hear thud and then more screaming and then thud. Th- that's intense. I don't know what to do. So pacing back and forth. Don't want to call the cops because that would be real embarrassing if I called the cops and it wasn't anything. Should have called the cops. Um, <laughs> so for some reason, rather than call the cops, I decide, you know what, I'll take care of this myself. So throw some pants on, toss a T-shirt on, and I I go down the hall. So when I said this was a, a, a crappy, sketchy apartment, this is like a house. So it's it's not a big complex. It's a small, small area. Everyone in the house heard this. Every single one. There's no doubt about it. The neighbors probably heard it. No one else did anything. So so here I am. Got my pants on. So that's good. You know. Go down the hallway, and this screaming is still going. And I timidly. Uh, Knock on the door Screaming still going They don't hear I knock on the door again And the screaming stops And I hear And by the way this The screaming is uh, From Coming from a woman Clearly And uh, So uh, I hear a male's voice Say Why don't you go Open the fucking door and I'm like Oh shit <laughs> So I'm just kind of Sitting there Waiting at the door Like don't know what to do Door comes open Girl about yay high comes comes down, mascara streaming down her face, bawling her eyes out. Looks up at me and says, "What the fuck do you want?" And I'm like, "I, I don't know what's going on. I heard screaming. Like, is there like what like uh, w- what's going on?" And she looks up at me and. So here's a part of the story that I have to take a, a pause because a word is said that I, I don't like. It's a it's a bad word. I'm I'm I mean I'll, I'll say it, but you know whatever. She says to me, looking me dead in the eyes, he's a fucking faggot. I don't know what to do. So in the same breath that she says that, her leg goes up. Right in the balls Knocks me down Door slams So from, from, from my perspective I was in my boxers jamming And I go to homophobic slurs And being kicked in the nuts Zero to a million in 20 seconds So I'm on the floor Confused more than anything Knock back on the door Just slam on it You know Because I'm in pain And the screaming resumes again. And the guy, uh, so the way it worked is hallway, door, and there are stairs behind the door, right? So the guy comes down and opens the door. And she's screaming. She's hysterical. I don't know what's going on. Um, So... She is screaming at me, screaming at him. I'm trying to say, what, what's going on? Like what 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 should I do? What can I help? Like, is 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 anything wrong? Uh, the guy's like, no, I'm trying to get her to leave. She's like tearing my apartment into pieces. I I'm freaking out. So I, I start trying to have a reasonable conversation with her. And I say, like, it, it's two in the morning, the, like, what are you doing? You can't just be screaming like this. And she again ceases her screaming, looks me in the eye, and says, "I don't give a fuck." And then tries to slam the door. Now, uh, for some reason, my reflexes is like a cat catch in, and I, you know, grab onto the uh, the wall in the door, and I'm holding it open. And she's on the other side, trying to pull it closed, and I'm arguing with her. She's screaming. The dude's trying to hold her back. It's chaos. So once again, get into a conversation. Not a conversation, a screaming match. And she looks at me, and through the crack in the door, me holding it like this, out comes a leg. (laughs) Round two, and I get hit in the nuts, and I start reeling back. So on the floor... I, I get up and I start hobbling back to my room and over my shoulder I say, Okay, I'm calling the cops as I as I start coming out. I think she didn't want the cops called. So she opens the door, comes out all the way, and is standing there, and I and as I'm walking back to my room, I hear another, not happy to say this, she says, uh Why don't you mind your own fucking business? So I'm hobbling back, and I turn around, and I say, Are you talking to me? And then she says, She says, no, I'm talking to this gay ass. Don't know what that means. She's pointing down the hallway, and I look. There's another dude staring out the door, just watching what's going on. Doesn't help me whatever. So for some reason getting kicked in the balls two times doesn't set me off. Getting, you know, screamed at woken up at two in the morning doesn't set me off. When she calls this random dude a gay ass, that triggers me. (laughs) So (laughs) so I I'm not a particularly tough dude. I've got some height on me, but, you know, I'm skinny, whatever. But holy balls. I, I turned around, stormed back towards her. So, again, this lady about this tall, stormed back towards her, starts screaming, like, at the top of my lungs, like, what the fuck are you doing, blah, 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 blah. And it comes out to me say, and what's with the homophobic shit? <laughs> And she, in this fury and tears, she just straightens up and says, "Oh, I'm not homophobic." <laughs> so <laughs> so that—that's another just mind-boggling thing. I snap out of that and try, you know, just again screaming at her. We're—I'm six foot three, looking at her five foot nothing and she's looking straight up at me just screaming an inch away from her face um she eventually says this part's weird she 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 eventually says why don't you mind your own business and again she is an inch away from my face not an exaggeration for some reason the the supernatural powers that be i choose to channel Batman. And this is all subconscious. I'm in no control here. And an inch away from her face, she says, why don't you mind your own fucking business? And I say, this is my business. Just shaking with rage. Sweats, spits, the whole... So that... Uh, I think shit her pants, left the building. Here I am, pant like, literally hunched over where this woman was, just breathing and panting and I, just shaking with adrenaline. And I finally, calmed down, and I look over my shoulder, and that dude still looking out, <laughs> looking out from the door at the end of the hallway, and that is my story. Thank you, sir.
0: That is pretty good. Uh, Just want to let you know, you can find us on Facebook. If you search JPH Story Slam, or for the podcast, you would search Madison Story Slam. Uh, Twitter, it's Story Slam Madison, or Instagram, it's Story Slam Madison. Any of you who have a smartphone right now should be getting out and following us on each of those things. Uh, I heard I don't want to from somebody. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag I don't want to to. That is it for our podcast today Hope you enjoyed the stories Uh, As I said uh, at the beginning of the show Our next Story Slam is January 30th That is a Friday Our theme is puberty Uh, So come tell your awkward teenage years stories Uh, As always there will be uh, food and beer specials And just so you know, now you can go to Sal's Tomato Pies, which is right next door to JPH, and uh, you can pick up a pizza and bring it into JPH, as long as when you come into Johnson Public House, you buy a drink there. That is their only stipulation. We had a lot of pizza at this past Story Slam. It was a good time. Um... Next week, our podcast guest will be Jim Berkenstead, the rock and roll detective. Jim's a really interesting guy, so look for that next week. Anyway, hope you're doing well. Uh, You know, save up your stories, come tell one. We'll see you next time.